Hey, let's give it up for Jesus in this place today. Lord, we thank you. God, you are awesome. While you're at it, let's welcome South Shore, Plant City, and our online campuses. Welcome, welcome. We're getting ready to, to roll back into opening up services to uh, the public. Uh, on August 5th will be our first one. It's our prophetic presbytery. So make plans now to come out that night. There's, we put out a survey to all the people who call cross, the Crossing Church their home. And uh, there was a large group who said, you know, we, we're ready to come back. Uh, so we're going to open up the doors August 5th and, and bring people back. And there's, you'll see a video going out this week about it that talks about all the stuff we've done to make it safe and, or try to make it safe and as safe as we can. As, you know, but you'll see that this week. It's going to go out with an email. And, uh, there, but there's another group also who, who say, you know what, I'm just not ready yet. And, hey, that's cool too. You know, that's cool. Just keep viewing online, and we're just going to do what we can to serve the community that we are serving the best we can. So that's, that's our plans, but August 5th will be the first one that is open to the public, and it is our prophetic presbytery. It'd be kind of hard to have prophetic words given to an empty house. I guess you could say, you know, whoever's online in your pajamas and your pink fuzzy slippers, uh, God has a word for you. I guess we could do that. I don't know. It'd just make it a little, a little different, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, man, I want to send a big shout out to Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamara. Um, we love y'all. Thank God for you. Thank you for letting me fill in while you're out, and uh, can't wait to see you back. And um, so today we're gonna we're gonna we're in a, a series called Summer Stories, and also uh, the subtitle for it is Lessons from My Childhood, Lessons from My Life. So I had to pull a story from my childhood to maybe give y'all some insight on what God uh, does in our lives. And I got some. I, got, I have some. But let's pray before I get started, because I'm liable to rabbit trail anywhere, and I need the Holy Spirit to help me keep focused. Lord, I thank you for today. I, I thank you for every person that is here and online and at our campuses. And God, we just thank you for, for your presence. And uh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would now lead, you would guide, you would direct. Help me to say what needs to be said and to not say those things that don't need to be said. And uh, Lord, I ask that you give us wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. I ask you to open our hearts to hear from you. I command every ear to open and every heart to receive the word of God planted in you today in Jesus' name. And uh, Father God, I thank you for your word, and we thank you for your presence. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out. Thanks for logging on. And, um, you know, I, I just want to ask a question up front. Is, have you ever had you know, that, that thought or, or a feeling or a question in your mind along the lines of, am I really doing what God put me here to do? Has anybody ever had that thought, ever had that, you know, inclination? Is this really what life's all about? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing in life? And I just want to tell you, I believe that that, that question is put in our hearts from God. And in Ecclesiastes 3.11 through 13, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has, he has put eternity in the hearts of men, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift from God. Now, the, the, I want to 
back up for just a second and, and pull out, he put eternity in the hearts of men. He put eternity in our hearts. There is a seed of eternity, of eternal value in each one of us. I believe that just like he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. I believe that not only did he know Jeremiah, but he knew every one of us because the Bible tells us that he is no respecter of men, meaning that he doesn't treat one different than the other, that he's not a respecter of men or women or anybody that has stature or doesn't have stature or whatever. He knew every one of us before he formed us. So before he formed us, he knew us. Therefore, he, he had things on this earth that he wanted us to do. There are other scriptures that talk about there are works that I have created you for before the foundation of the world. So what that tells me is that when God spoke the world into creation, he spoke us into creation. And then he stopped. And all that had to happen is time had to catch up with his word and then you were born. So all that had to happen in in, on December 21st, 1970, is that God said, let Jonas Alday be born, and I was born. But he said that at the foundation of the world when he created time. And time just had to catch up with his word, and then I was born. And so each one of us are a word from heaven into the earth. God has made us a divine expression of himself in the earth. He's put giftings and talents inside of us to show a, a piece of who he is in the earth. So I encourage you to know that hunger, that desire, that, un, that want to know, is this what God has meant for me? That's in every one of us, and it is a question that comes from the Lord. So as we, as we look at that, I, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you have a divine purpose, and, I, and by the end of this message today, you're going to know your divine purpose. Now, how many of y'all down with that? Sure. All right, good, good. How many of y'all online? Down with that? Good deal. Plant City, South Shore, I know you're there. So listen, this is my childhood. Now, I didn't know when I was a kid that I would be a pastor. I was raised in a family that was in construction, and, and so we, we, we did commercial contracting, and, and we also built houses also, and, and so we had a lot going on in the, in the construction world, and that's the world I was raised in. My parents didn't really go to church. They were, they were business people, so they were in the community and, and, you know, working in the community. I was raised in that, but at five, six, and seven years old, I remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember even the smell of what my mom would be cooking in the, in the kitchen, rutabagas. I don't know if you've ever smell rutabagas. It's, it is a smell that will be seared into your sinuses the rest of your life because it's pretty bad. But anyway, some of y'all might like it. I, I, I didn't. So, it, uh, But I, I would be in the living room while she's cooking in the kitchen watching TV preachers. You know, the old TV preachers of the 70s had that big hair and, you know, the white suits and the you know, the, all that stuff. And so and I would watch them and, you know, they would tell you to stretch your hand out, put it on the TV. And I would, as a little guy, put my hand on the TV to receive a blessing from the Lord. And, and I would go, I remember going in the kitchen numerous times and telling my mom, I'm going to be one of those one day. I didn't know, I didn't even know Jesus at the time. I didn't know anything about God really at the time. And I just said, I'm going to be one of those one day. Well, you know, I kind of made it. I don't have the hair, but you know, <laughs> I, I kind of made it, <laughs> but on top of that, even as I, I grew up, 
um, in my middle school years and high school years, um, I had the, the ability to lead people. I, well, I, my dad would call it something else. I had the ability to get other people to do my work. So, <laughs> so we, we used to race motocross, me and my brother, and we had a motocross track in our, in our backyard off the, you know, in, in the back. And uh, I would call my friends. My dad, he, at the time, he had a tile and stone company, and he would come home in the evenings. And, of course, me and my brother were free labor, so he would tell us, I need 700 foot of stone on that truck. I need, I need this much tile on that truck. I need this on that truck. And, and so we had to get all that done before we could ride our motorcycles. So I would call all my friends and be like, hey, man, you want to ride this afternoon? They'd be like, yeah, man, let's do it. So they would all show up, and I didn't tell them that we had to load the trucks before we could ride. <laughs> And they would continually come because the payoff was, just, was good enough for the work. And they would continue to come and help us load stuff up. And I figured out how to get other people to do my work. So I would take a break while they were loading to get the motorcycles ready so we could, we could ride. I, you know, I, was just, I was just being a good leader. Um, <laughs> so in high school, it continued on. People would come to me for advice <laughs> which is amusing because I look back at myself in high school. I was a train wreck, and so people were coming to me for advice about friendships, relationships with their parents and their friends and girlfriends and boyfriends, and, and you know, I, they would seek my advice, but I didn't, I gave them advice. I told them what to do. I don't have a problem telling people what to do, but um, it wasn't good. So for any of you that may be viewing that I gave some advice in high school, please forgive me. I didn't know what I was talking about. And you should have known better than they asked me anyway. I was a train wreck. <laughs> but you look back, and hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's like, well, that's pretty much what I do now. You know, I, I am standing on a platform right now preaching. I help people um, navigate things uh, in, in their work life and in their personal life. I, I, create, I help create a vision that our pastor has. I help make it a reality and hand it off to teams of people to get it developed. So I'm, I'm, I was caught glimpses of what God had put in me early on, and I didn't even really know it. And so all of us, God has been dropping these little things in our lives, the things we're gifted at doing in our lives all along to show us that I, I've put eternity in your hearts things of eternity, that of eternal value that you need to deposit into the earth, I've put that in your heart. And I give you glimpses of it all along. Now, the one thing I do want to say is, even though there's been some really good books written and lots of messages preached on purpose, and I think, you know, sometimes we may have gotten it wrong because we've attached purpose, actually we've attached purpose to our assignments, and an assignment is different than a purpose. Now, I'm going to tell you your purpose right now. Here's a truth that will transform your life. It's found in Mark 3, 13 and 15. The only truth that's going to transform your life is found in the Bible. So if, if it's anything other than what's in the Bible, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can trust anything I hear nowadays except what the Bible says. You know, people ask me, well, what's truth? I don't know. I mean, I know the Bible's true, you know, but that's about all the truth I know right now. Um, I won't, I won't go down that path. <laughs> In Mark 13, 3, 13 and 15, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called those to himself he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they might, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal the sick, 
and to cast out demons. Let's back up just a little bit. He called them to him that they might be with him. So this is where Jesus called his disciples to him to be with him that he could disciple them, that he could pour into them, that he could speak into them the things of eternity and unlock the, the eternity that had been locked away in their hearts and the giftedness that was in them by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the words that he had spoken, but it was all so that they could be with him. Now here is what I need you to remember leaving today. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Your purpose in life is to be with him. That's your purpose, bottom line. Your purpose in life is to be with Jesus, to be with the Holy Spirit, to be with the Father. And, and you know, so we, that's our purpose in life. That's our, what God has purposed us to do in life because it takes us all the way back to the original uh, uh, couple in creation. You think about their life. Their life was to be with the Lord, to walk with him in the cool of the day. And from that, he would give them assignments. And oftentimes, we have attached assignments and saying that's our purpose. But what happens when the assignment changes if we say that's our purpose? Then we lose purpose. But the truth is, assignments change. Purpose never does. Our purpose is to be with him. And from that, he'll give us assignments. But we'll talk more about assignments in just a minute. I want to show you about being with him. In John 15, 1 through 8, it, it is a great picture of it. It says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. Now, if you are in the Lord and we remain in the Lord and in the vine, then we begin to produce fruit. But even if we're producing fruit, sometimes God has to cut off part of our life so that we can grow stronger and stouter. I don't know if you've ever had fruit trees. Uh, I lived in Georgia. Of course, Georgia is synonymous with peach trees. We have peach trees. And peach trees would, they would grow to a point, their, their limbs would grow so long that they would be super flimsy. But on the end of that flimsy limb, it would produce so much fruit that it would snap the limb if you didn't prune it back. But when you pruned it back, it grew stronger, it grew stouter, and it grew further and could produce more fruit if you did that, and it wouldn't break it. So that's what God does to us that are with him. Those that aren't, he just takes away, and we're not going to deal with the taking away today because, you know, I'm just not, I ain't going to deal with that. There's too much there. Um, you're already cleansed by the, because of the word which I have spoken. This is what, what it says in here. Abide in me and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, we, this is talking about bearing fruit and it's talking about trees and vines and that kind of thing. Well, you might say, how does that uh, correlate to my life? Well, the, 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 let me translate the parable for you and just say success. Where God meant for you to be successful in life, as you abide with him, you will be successful in the assignments that he gives you. And when your assignment changes, then he will make you successful in that assignment also because you abide in him and you bear fruit. Abide means to stay in a place. Figuratively, it means to remain in a sphere. 
Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to talk about auras because that's new age and we ain't going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about the presence of God because there is a presence that we carry with us. And it is either our presence that is around us or it is the presence of God we're allowing to come through our lives. This word abide here means that we are to stay within the Lord's uh, uh, sphere, within the sphere of the Holy Spirit throughout our day as we talk to people and minister to people and, and, we, and we make business decisions and we make decisions financially and for our families and we're to, we're to stay with the Lord, engaged with God in that. And the way you abide in the Lord is, yes, we start out our day, give the first part of our day to the Lord by, by seeking him in worship and prayer and listening to him talk to us and guide us and lead us and, and show us the direction for our day. But when we come out of our prayer times and out of our time in his word, then we go into our day and we stay engaged with him throughout our day. And the way we do that is in every situation, we, we, we know the word of God and we can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. <coughs> that, it's not COVID. I'm sorry. I, seasonal allergies. If it's COVID, I've had it for three months, so it's just allergies, I promise. Um, but, but if we stay in with the Lord, we hear from the Holy Spirit in every situation and every conversation that we have, that we're allowed, we can hear him and we speak his word into it. If not, then we're just going on our own uh, inclinations and our own wisdom, which oftentimes amounts to nothing. So when we abide, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about staying in with the Lord constantly. That gives a new light to the scripture that says pray continually. The way we pray continually is we have a, a consciousness of God all day long and what would he do in this situation? Because when you encounter situations you don't have wisdom for, you got to say, what would he do here? God, what would you do here? And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I promise you. I promise you. He goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. What he's really saying here, now we can do a whole lot because we're made in the image of God. We can go build a business. We can go build a career. We can go build a family all outside of God. We could do that because we are created in the image of God and we have a likeness to God so we can create things. What he's saying here is you can do nothing of eternal value because when the fire comes to burn up all the works of this world and our, our days here are done, the things that will remain before the Lord are the things that we do that were of eternal value in the earth. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble and it will all burn up, every bit of it. It will amount to nothing. So we could build a whole lot in life and really not ever build anything. Nothing that we pass on to next generations. But the thing is, he's put eternity in each one of us. He's put something of eternal value in each one of, one of us to deposit into this earth. And if we don't deposit it in the earth, it won't get done. Let's continue on. He goes on to say, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. We won't talk about the fire and burning. That sounds like a scary place. But I do want to talk about the withered part because I've counseled a lot of people as I've been a pastor for like 24 years now or 25. I don't know. I lost count. It's been a long time. Um, but I've, I've counseled a whole lot of people in that time. And my first question to them, every time they come to me and talk about, I'm having problems here, I'm having problems here, I'm having problems here, I'm having problems here, I'll listen sometimes for 30 minutes to all their problems, and I'll just ask one question. 
what is your walk with the Lord like at this point? And every time, without fail, it is, well, you know, man, I, I pray when I'm in the shower and, you know, I pray when I, I, you know, I hit a hard time and I, you know, I, I pray here, I pray there, or, you know, but I, I you know, it, 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 they, they hem haul around until it finally gets down to, well, it ain't what it should be because they're not abiding. And when you don't abide, you wither. When we don't abide in the vine, things begin to dry up around us. Things begin to get brittle around us and begin to break and begin to, to fail around us. We, as Americans, we, we correlate everything with success and failure. So, so it, you can put it in those terms if you'd like. That's fine. But when you're abiding in God and the things he's, he's, he's purposed you to do and the things that he has sent you to do get done and they get done effectively and efficiently. If not, they wither. Your family withers. Your kids wither. Your job withers. Your, your relationships wither. All kind of stuff starts to fall apart around us because we're not abiding. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, wait a minute. I don't know if you noticed. Got Jesus shifted gears on us here. He's been saying, if, if you abide in me and I abide in you. Now he's saying, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word of God. So if the word of God abides in us and we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. He goes on to say, you'll ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. So we can ask whatever we want and it'll be done for us if we abide and if he abides in us. If, he, if he's with us and we're with him, we're in his word and his presence and is in us and we're in his presence. But I want to ask you something. You know, I see a lot of this and the enemy doesn't have to, I say this all the time, the enemy don't have to destroy us, he just has to distract us. But we can tell you more about what happens in our favorite TV program than we can tell you about what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. You know, we can tell you more about the video games that we play. If you're a video gamer, the skin that you just got for your weapon or the new, new level you're going to, and you know the maps backwards and forwards and, or, the, or, or the, the, the social media people that we follow, we can tell you everything they've done in their life and where they're going surfing today or whether, where, what they're doing tomorrow and what's so fun. We can tell you all about that, but we can't tell you what God did in the book of Acts. What I'm saying is we, we, we can be entertained to death, literally to spiritual death. We can be entertained to that point. And God said, if, I, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. And look, this is what brings God glory. He said, and by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So we don't have to beg God to help us bear fruit. It says he wants us to bear fruit because it brings glory to him. But the only way we bear fruit is by abiding in his presence and his word abiding in us. Now, we, we, so that's, that's the being with him part, which I want you to remember today. If you remember nothing else from this message, your purpose in life is to be with him. And now look at the next step that happens in that scripture. It says that he might send them out. That's your assignments. God gives us assignments in the earth, things to accomplish, 
in the earth. You know, I, I look back over my life, and I've had many assignments since I've gotten saved. I've given my life to Christ. I was an electrician's helper. Then I was an electrician. Then I was a, a, a superintendent on, a, on jobs. And then, then I was, uh, I was a, uh, an associate pastor, and then I was a youth pastor, and then I was an executive pastor, and I, I did uh, uh, the media ministry in our church and cameras and sound, audio, all that kind of stuff. I was also before then a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader. Um, uh, I was, uh, I, and you move forward. When I came here, I was a. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name they had made up for me. It was a, it was a family life pastor. I think is what it was. It was that. Yeah, that was it. I was a family life pastor. It was a mouthful to say. That's why I had a hard time with it. So I was a family life pastor. And then I was a campus pastor, and now I'm an executive pastor again. I was also at one point uh, a consultant. I had a consulting business I ran. I also built houses. I had houses that I managed and still have some. But um, I, 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 all these different things that God assigned to me, and I did them. They were all assignments. But here's the thing. If I attached my assignment and I said, that's my purpose, when my assignment needed to change, I would feel like I lost my purpose. When my purpose is to be with him, and then my assignment is to do what he sent me to do. So you are uniquely outfitted for your assignments. You have gifting, you have ability, you have an anointing, you have a passion for the things that you are sent to do. And God outfits you with what he needs you to have when he sends you to do it. You know, a, while, a, a, a little while back, I was, I was complaining to God. Uh, you know, in Georgia, I had more land. I had 16 acres. I had a you know, nice place there. It was, a, it was my family ranch that we inherited. And, and so it was the one I was born and raised on. And we moved down here. And, you know, for, for what we sold that for, I got a house on one acre down here. <laughs> so I was whining to God one day, fussing about not having land. And God told me, he said, I outfit you with what I need you to have in the season I put you in. And he took me back to deployment in military. You are deployed with what you need in the season that you're in. And I remembered all the work that it took to keep that place up, and I just don't have that kind of time here because of the work that's being done right here. And what God is doing here at the crossing. So just know when your assignment changes, God will outfit you. If you listen to his voice, God will outfit you with what you need. Your assignment also will come in the form of jobs. It'll come in the form of people. You know, it'll come in the form of ministry, even community opportunities. I was a soccer coach at one point. I don't know one rule in soccer. I still don't know one rule in soccer. Not one. But I was, I was coaching kids that were five, I think it was five to seven-year-olds. But I tell you what, my five to seven-year-olds never lost a game because I was anointed to coach five to seven-year-olds. Well, not really. I, I mean, I just figured out all they need to do is know how to run. And the other team would just give out, and they'll lay down on the field, and then we can just kick all the goals we want to kick. And that's basically what happened. We never lost a game, I promise you. When you're anointed for it, you're anointed to win, you're anointed to win. I just can't help it. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm totally kidding, Lord. I repent. I'm not arrogant. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to fall off this stage. 
So your assignments are for a reason and a season. Just know that. People will come into your life for a reason and a season. And some of us, let me, some of us gripe about some of the people that God has put in our lives. Where if we would thank God for it and begin to do what he tells us to do in those situations, our season would come to an end. He's waiting for us to say, okay, God, I hear you. I'll help them. I'll do what you tell me to do in this time. I have, I have had numerous people over the years that I pray, God, can I please let them go? Please, can I not be their friend anymore? He's like, no, I need you in their life, and I need you to invest in their life. Because some people, their lives are such a train wreck, it begins to wreck your life. But until you engage with God and begin to push back on that and help them get in order. So I encourage you, people come to you for a reason and a season, and God puts you in, in jobs and assignments all over your life for a reason and a season. Now, once you're in that, remember this, before you in that, your purpose in life is to be with him. That's your whole purpose. But from that, he gives you assignments. And in those assignments, you have a function. And this is your function in those assignments. Jump back in the scripture at Mark 3, 13 and 15. <clears throat> it says to preach, to have power, to heal the sick, to, and to cast out demons. It's to preach good news to those who are hurting. So in every situation you find yourself in life, you, you want to preach good news to those who are hurting. And, and the way we do that is, is when we begin to befriend people and we get to know people, they come to us with their problems. They come to us with their issues. And at that time, we can introduce the Word of God into their life and we can give them a nugget from the Word of God that will transform who they are. And when their life is transformed, they're going to come back and say, man, where did you get that knowledge? Man, it changed my life. And at that point, you can say, well, let me tell you about Jesus because he's the one that gave me this knowledge. He's the one that transformed my life. He's the one that made me who I am and gave me that wisdom that can change your life. That's how we preach good news to those who are hurting. We heal the sick. And it isn't just physical healing, but it is physical healing. It's mental, it's emotional, it's psychological, and it's physical. It's all of them. There are people who are hurting in many different ways, and it's up to us to bring healing to their lives. And if we don't bring healing, if we're just constantly complaining about who's in our life and not seeing how we can help them become who God created them to be, then we're going to miss the assignment that God gave us. And the Bible tells us those who are faithful in the small things, I'll put ruler over much. So it's to help heal those who are emotionally wounded, who are mentally not where they need to be with Christ. And as we help them with the word, it transforms who they are. It, it, the gospel and the word of God has the power to take a person whose life is a total wreck and completely restore it to something that glorifies God. It's the only, it's the only, it's the only thing in this world that can do that. And the last thing he said, power to cast out unclean spirits, demons. However you want to talk about it. As you read the Bible, it'll say demons. We don't like to say demons because people get scared of demons. So we just say unclean spirits. And so it's the same thing. But they're not that big a deal. Hollywood's made them more than they need to be. 
you know, these big old things that can you drag y'all across the house and throw you up against the walls and all that kind of, no, no, no. You know, they, they show the priest barely getting, winning by the end, and, and that's not how it is at all. We have complete victory over the demonic world. I promise you. The Bible tells us that we have all authority over the power of the enemy. So if you know anything about power and authority, power is, is power to get something done. Authority tells the power what to do. So if I have a gun in my hand, and I have a gun in my hand, it is power. But I have the authority in my mind and in my hand to tell that power, are you going to shoot or are you not going to shoot? I have the authority for that. And you take, well, you take police, for instance. You know, the, the guy that has the badge, he may be only four foot 11 and 110 pounds soaking wet and may, may not know how to use his weapon that well. But he represents authority. Authority that has access to thousands of other men who, who will stand behind him and to a judicial system who will stand behind him. And it's not him that you fear or him that you have respect for. It is the authority in which he represents. So we have authority over all the power of the enemy. So in setting people free of strongholds, this is the, it, in, in dealing with unclean spirits, it's two different things. It's, two, it's a two-pronged approach, really. You have to deal with the stronghold. Now, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 5, it talks about strongholds. It says, strongholds are thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. They raise up against the knowledge of God. They want to keep the knowledge of the Lord out of your life. They want to keep your life from looking like what the Bible says it should look like. So we receive these strongholds sometimes by our heritage, those that we were, those families we were born into, and we call those generational curses. And it looks something like this. Well, you know, daddy got divorced and granddaddy got divorced and great-granddaddy got divorced, so I guess just at some point I'm gonna get divorced. It's a generational curse that's been passed to us. So it sets up a false expectation in our subconscious mind that we begin to guard ourselves even after we get married. That we don't truly open up to our spouse and we begin to, to make moves because we, we really believe in our heart that someday we're getting divorced. So I got to set up things to protect myself so that when we get divorced, I'm good and you can't hurt me any more than I allow you to. And you throw up walls and you put up all these walls and you push them away. And, and inevitably it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that you sabotage yourself because of a bad belief system that you inherited from your past. It's a generational curse that is on our lives. Strongholds are also erected from trauma that happens in our life. The enemy of our souls loves to create trauma in our childhood and, and throughout the rest of our life. And when there's something traumatic that happens, an unclean spirit will come in and whisper lies in our ears and tell us protections we need to put in place and things that we need to do to posture ourselves to keep it from ever happening again. And we begin to erect this way of thinking in our mind that is contrary to what the Word of God says. And the only way to do away with that is to be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Just like it says in Romans 12, 2, it says, and, and to be do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can't even discern the will of God for our life if we've not been renewed in our mind. And the only way to renew our mind is through the word of God. Now, hear what I'm saying. We spend a lot of time distracted with a lot of other things. But the one thing that matters is how much of the word of God we have in our heart and in our mind that when we get pushed on any side, well, the Bible says, when we hear a lie from the enemy, we, have a, we, have a, we can come back and say, no, 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 that's, that ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says this about my life. You're not taking my marriage because the Bible says this. You're not hurting me and my family because the Bible says a thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps around about me and delivers us from all harm. So I hear this lie about, you know, you know we're going to get hurt and we're going we're to be really sickly and it's going to be bad for us. And no, nah, not my, not my house. No, that ain't what the Bible says. And we don't allow circumstances to determine our biblical belief. Because here's the thing, there may be a fact, there may be a fact that comes at us, but the truth can change a fact. The fact is today I might be sick, but if I stand on the word of God and I believe God at his word and I quote his word over my life and I push back on the sickness and on the infirmity and on the things of this world that are pushing against me and I refuse to give any ground, I'm going to get better. We have to be renewed in our minds. And the only way to do that is to be transformed by his word. It is the only document that is living and transformational. We owe it to ourselves, our children, and our children's children to stay in the word and remove all these curses and all these strongholds from our family lines and pass to them a clean heritage so that they can live stronger and better than we are. And as we abide in his presence, we will see his power flow through us. I'm telling you, I've seen arms grow back out. I've seen spines that were messed up get healed. I've seen cancers that were there fall off. I've seen God heal things miraculously. And he does that if we abide in him and he abides in us. Then the last part of it, after you break down that way of thinking, which is in your, in your, in your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's a way of thinking. It's, it's imaginations that have exalted themselves. It's lies that we've been told and feelings that we have. After you tear all that down and change the way you think, there'll still be this little nagging thing back there saying, oh, it's not like that. No, no, this is happening. That's happening. That's that unclean spirit. That unclean spirit will then work to recreate the stronghold that you just worked to tear down. So what you find yourself in is a daily struggle with an unclean spirit to not think like you thought once before. And that struggle could go on for years until you look at that unclean spirit and do what Jesus did and tell it to come out of your life. You no longer have a place in my life. I command you to get out now in the name of Jesus. That's the only way to get rid of it. That's the only biblical way to get rid of it. Now, I've seen a, a lot of nonsense on how to get rid of them, but that don't work, and that's why they get beat up, and like the seven sons of Sceva in the Bible, they try to cast out demons in Jesus' name, but they, didn't have, they had not abided, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit, and they got beat up, and, and they all ran out of the house naked because that one guy beat them up. I don't want to get beat up like that. 
Just remember, your purpose in life is to be with him. Your purpose in life is to be with him. Your mission in life is what he sends you to do. And your function is to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick and to cast out unclean spirits. That's our function. Now, now, we've talked about a lot today, but I always believe in giving next steps. The word of God needs to abide in us in such a way that when we're pressed on any side, that's what comes out. I believe that every believer, every person who calls themselves Christian should go to a Bible college for two years. We have a Bible college here for at least two years, maybe four. I mean, I think, I think continued education should happen the rest of our lives. I don't care if you're 80. If you have breath in your body, sign up for the Bible college. Seriously. I don't care. I don't, we need to know the Word of God and to continually know the Word of God. But I think it takes at least two years of, of Bible college level learning that, that gives us a strong foundation. And not only does it give us a good foundation, it gives us tools on how to build the foundation and how to build on top of that foundation in the Word of God. We learn how to dig out revelation. We learn how to understand who God is and, and we learn how to dig into the Scripture and allow it to dig back into us. And it's truly transformational. So I encourage you, if you've not been through Bible college, sign up today. There's a there's a something on the screen somewhere over there. Yep, uh, something on your screen right there. So you can sign up today to be part of the Bible college. Do it at your own pace. You can do one class at a time. It's not that hard. It's really not. But it challenges us and holds us accountable to learn the Word of God and learn what it is we say we believe and become more powerful. As we abide in Him, He abides in us. And we can ask whatever, and it'll be done for us. That's what the Bible says, not Jonas, not me. And for those of you who are 18 to 25, some of you getting out of high school or have been out of high school for a little while and you, 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 you don't really know uh, your path, first I want to encourage you to, to abide in him. But we have, we have here at, at the Crossing an internship program. And in this internship program, we teach, we teach how to abide, how to walk with, how to listen and then how to do what he's, he's, he's assigned us to do. In it, you will learn how to minister to those who are hurting. You'll learn how to uh, uh, run ministries at the church and organize things to reach people, and you'll learn how to prepare sermons and, and, and prepare ways to reach people with power evangelism. You'll learn how to serve those who, who are hurting. There's a lot that you learn but it's for those who are 18 to 25 and, and we have limited access to it. We're starting up a new, a new round here in, in August. So I encourage you right now, sign up. There's a link on, on, your, on your screen and I encourage you to sign up. If you, if you aren't sure and you, you, you even maybe feel like there's something of eternal value that I, I, need to, I need to let God unlock and it may be at some point to be in full-time ministry, I encourage you to sign up. And it's fine if it doesn't end up being in full-time ministry. Maybe you jump in and just figure out, you know, this is what God has called me to do. And God may send you on an assignment to start a business. He may send you on an assignment to become a doctor. He may send you on an assignment to, to do whatever. We don't know. But it's a time for us to jump in and say, I'm dedicating this time to the Lord to see, okay, Lord, what is it that you have for me in life? And which way am I going? And I'm going to learn to abide. So I encourage you to get involved. And if, and if neither one of those, if you've been through Bible college and, and you're too old for the internship program, 
Start a, start a life group. Not with people in the church. Not that. Everybody does that. Start one with your coworkers. Start one with your family. You know, and if, it, and if, and if you know, being in person, it, you can't really do that right now because of health issues or whatever. I mean, you know, there's Zoom, there's all kind of virtual ways to do it that you could just connect with people and begin to help others and pour into others. The biggest thing I want you to do right now is I want you to ask the Lord which one of those you should do because there's one of those you should do. One of the three. I promise you, every one of us should be doing one of the three. Starting at being, being part of people's lives that we can make a difference. All of us should do that. Bible college, I, I, you'll never get me to back off of that. I, I believe every, every believer in the world should do that. If the Mormons can do it, why can't we? If other religions that have that kind of, if they can do it, why don't we? Why not? But there are those of you out there now who may not know the Lord as your Savior. You've, you've listened all day and you've heard about this, this Jesus I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit, Father God, but you don't know him. You've never had a personal relationship with him at all. Well, I want to solve that right now. We're all going to pray this prayer and I want you to pray it out loud. So all of us just pray it out loud together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. And I believe God raised you from the dead. I ask you to change me in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to text Jesus to the number on your screen. And if you're here in the room, I'm just going gonna, gonna to count to three. And when I hit three, if you would, just raise your hand if you're here in the room. I know this is mostly servant leaders right now. But if, if you want to give your life to Jesus, every head bow, every eye closed, I just don't want to embarrass anybody. If, if you want to give your life to Jesus or you just prayed that for the first time, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Is there anybody here? We're all servant leaders, but I never want to. Somebody may have wandered in. Well, cool. Cool. I do want to pray. And, and then we're going to worship for just a minute. And Pastor Wade will be out. But I want to stand... I want to stand as a pastor of this church and I want to proclaim the word of God over our, over our people, the people of the cross. And so I proclaim the word of God over us that we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, therefore we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We say of you, Lord, you're our refuge and our fortress, our God in whom we trust and surely you saved us from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, and you cover us with your feathers, and under your wings we find refuge. Your faithfulness is our shield and our rampart, and will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand can fall at our side, and ten thousand at our right hand, but it will not come near us. We will only observe with our eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If we make the most high our dwelling, even the Lord who is our refuge, and no harm will befall us, and no disaster 
will come near our tent. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would release a healing into everyone who calls the crossing their home, into their families, into their, into their household. In Jesus' name, that you would protect us from COVID-19. And God, that you would protect us from, from the plague that destroys at midday. And you would protect us from that in Jesus' name. And Lord, those who have lost, I ask that you would minister life to them. God, you would give them peace to know that their, their loved ones are on the other side with you already. And God, you just give them peace in the middle of it in Jesus' name. You said you comfort those that mourn. We ask you to comfort them now in Jesus' name. And we ask you to stay the hand of the enemy away from the people of the crossing and away from this region in Jesus' name. Push COVID back. Take the numbers down. Kill the virus, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord for just a minute.